Hello everyone and welcome back to Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Many of you probably grew up reading, or have heard of at least, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps books. And Goosebumps is coming to comics this October in a new series being published by IDW. So what IDW is doing is having a different team on the book for each three-part story arc. They'll have a different writer and artist rotating on and off the book doing their self-contained three-part story. The first arc is called Monsters at Midnight. And on this show, I'll be speaking with the creative team of Jeremy Lambert, the writer, and Chris Finiglio, the artist. So on this show, we're going to talk about Goosebumps Monsters at Midnight, number one, coming out October 25th. But this is Creator Talks, so we're going to talk to the creators about them, what else they're involved in, and what they like. Of course, my questions on rest and relaxation, island the book, and beverage of choice. So with Jeremy, we're going to talk about his experience as a Hollywood casting agent, the recently wrapped up second annual charity stream for Free Arts LA, and painting houses, model houses. With Chris, we're going to talk about his defense of Green Day recently, his love-hate relationship with Star Trek, and the pluses and minuses of teaching art online. And with both guests on the show at the same time, there's a lot of synergy and a lot of fun. So I had a great time with this interview. I hope you enjoy listening to it. And if you do, share it with a friend. Pass it along. We have a lot to cover on the show, so let's let the fun begin. Without further ado, I present writer Jeremy Lambert and artist Chris Finaglio here now on Creator Talks. Jeremy, welcome to Creator Talks. Hello, hello. And Chris, welcome to you. Hey, how you doing? Hey, before we get started, Chris, I wanted to ask you something. You said this recently on the Twitter, but Uh-oh. I was just I was just curious about it. I said Green Day is a good band. There, I said it. Come at me. Emphasis mine. Okay. So what started that? Uh okay, so uh I went to the Academy of Art. This is totally a tangent, I'm sorry. I went to AAU for my master's degree, and the inker there, or the inking teacher there is um uh, Mick Gray, who inks, uh, he was doing Batman and Robin for a long time. I think he's on Superman, wherever. Um, okay. Peter Tom- Tomasi, I always screw up his name. Peter Tomasi. He's an inking teacher, and, you know, uh, he's really, 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 really into music. And he posted something. It was a joke thing off of the hard times. I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, on, like, on Facebook. And he said the the headline was Billy Joel leaves green day or something like that and everybody was billy joel first the piano man (laughs) did not leave green day (laughs) but anyways he like all his everybody was posting in the comments you know green day's terrible yada 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 the worst band ever whatever but there i grew up like two towns over from them in california and so I've always really liked them. And so I'm just reading all these comments and I'm just like, you know, what, why, why do you guys, well, I know why people hate Green Day, but I'm just like, I like Green Day. <laughs> There's <laughs> so no shame what, in that. Right. There's and no so shame. that's what, what, what started that off is I just like posted it and, you know, I, I have questionable musical tastes sometimes. I in, own far too many Mumford and Sons to claim uh, albums to claim that I have any sort of good taste. So, uh, you know, I, I just like posting stuff like that sometimes because it's fun to hear back from people, you know, oh, you suck. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I kind of do. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like Green Day. My wife likes Green Day. In fact, I did see Green Day. They came to Wilmington, Delaware, June 23rd, 2001. They were at Kahunaville on the summer stage. And that night after work, I went over to see them. It was their, uh, their warning tour. Which, by the way, is a very underrated album. If anybody has never heard Warning and only heard like the singles, go listen to Warning. It's a great album. And every, anyway, people just kind of crap on it because I don't think they understood like where they were coming from from that in that album. But anyways, sorry. No, that's all right. I listened to it from start to finish and uh, the concert was great. Um, they started – you heard the siren first, the warning siren. But instead of going right into the title track, they went into Nice Guys Finish Last. Yeah. And then they started playing music from the new album. I've seen them like four or five times. The first time I saw them was in 97, and I think I was 14 or 15 in high school. And, you know, they were great. It was like a small club, like a festival show. It was them, AFI, Deftones, uh, who uh, uh, I think uh, Papa Roach played. Do you guys remember Papa oh, Roach? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and they were great. They were amazing. And then I saw them in a, one of their stadium shows. And again, they're great. They're amazing. I, I saw them in San Francisco, which is like their hometown show. And they came out. They played for like an hour and a half, two hours, then played like three encore songs. And then Billy Joe came out again and played like three more songs for an encore on an acoustic guitar. Like in terms of showmanship, they're fantastic bands. Whether whether you like them or not is kind of irrelevant because they put on a great show. They do. And you've probably seen them do this since you've seen them so many times. But I remember when they were on stage, they would slowly replace all the members of the band with somebody out of the audience. They'd say, hey, man, could you play? I mean, could you really play? Then somebody would come up there and play the drums. And then the drummer would leave. So eventually – Everybody on stage was somebody from the crowd playing at the same time. That's crazy. <laughs> it's pretty, and it sounds good. It sounded really good. And, and a smooth transition. I, I'm sorry I digressed on that, but that's what part of the show is about. You know, we do like to talk about other things, not just the book, Goosebumps, Monsters at Midnight. I'll be honest. I don't want to talk about comics anymore. Let's just go into more. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, let's just keep going. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Jeremy, you've done some comic work, uh, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, the Liberty Annual, and Attack on Titan, and Anthology. Most of your work, though, primarily has been as a writer and a Hollywood casting agent. Tell me, as a casting agent for extras, do you rely mainly on your gut instinct and say, first impression, that's the one? Or do you have certain criteria, minimal criteria, like, don't look at the camera. You know, how do you pick the right extras for a particular movie? Oh, extras casting is, is crazy. Look, all right, so I'm, I have a different job now, but I just left it, just left extras casting uh, as a casting director. But um, yeah, so some of the stuff I've worked on has been kind of insane. Um, and like the highlights, I guess, would be like Magic Mike was one. Uh, we did True Detective, Fast and Furious 7, like a bunch of those just, I mean, where you can imagine the extras and the cars and whatever else is involved, strippers, in the case of Magic Mike. Um, but uh, you, uh, it, it really is insane when you have to go into the, um, into the casting world of that because half of it is the director you know, want, telling you what they need and telling you, you know, this picture is good, this picture is not. Go with this kind of look, uh, that sort of thing. But... Um, you know, half the time you're just getting calls at midnight uh, because the script changed and, uh, you know, you need 100 cowboys at 6 a.m. tomorrow that it's like two hours away, <laughs> you know. So it's just, OK, great. And you just got to roll with it. And, uh, you know, most of the time you pull it off and you don't just you don't talk about the ones uh, that you don't pull off. 
<laughs> You've put yourself in some of the movies too, right? As an extra? I have. <laughs> yeah. So, well, the two. Which stripper were you in, Magic Mike? <laughs> so, I will not reveal that information. Uh, but I was in Magic Mike, and I was also in uh, State of Play, which is a, a Russell Crowe and Ben Affleck movie uh, directed by Kevin McDonald uh, back in like 2009. Um, and then. Uh, Oh, goodness. What was the other one that I was in? I can't even remember at this point. Oh, I was in La La Land, which seems crazy when, you know, you're there for five years and you only do that uh, a couple times. But you're busy the rest of the time, I guess, behind the scenes. Those are some pretty big movies. Yeah, I mean, I stumbled right into it, too. It's not like I, you know, had any kind of impressive resume or anything. I just happened to know, you know, somebody that... Uh, you know, was a casting director and he needed some help. So right out of college, I just rolled right into that as his assistant. And then he desperately needed more people to take on more projects. So that's pretty much it. So now you're focusing on writing? Yep, writing. Um, I work uh, as a writer and a producer at a place called Breakwater Studios uh, for films and, um, and yeah, writing comics. All right. So this is your first time working on a three-part comic book story. It is. And your first time working with Chris. It is indeed, yeah. I feel so sorry for you. (laughs) Hey, I love it. Be gentle. Now, Goosebumps Monsters at Midnight, being published through IDW, Scholastic, it's rated certified cool in Diamond Previews. And I wanted to ask you both about the characters, Mia and Ginny. My reason for exploring this is twofold. One, I wanted to give the listeners a taste of the book, what it's about. And two, because the solicitation Diamond is so bloody hard to read. I don't know if you saw it, but they put gray type on a black background. And I'm like, how cruel. Even with my glasses, I can't see this. Yeah, share a bit about uh, this all-ages horror story and about the characters in the book and what they're doing. Yeah, so, I mean, the the book itself is uh, about these two sisters, Mia and Jenny, um, and they are stuck with their grandma for the summer in a boring town, of course. Uh, and... Um, you know, just when it looked like they might die of boredom, they discover a spooky little bookshop called Cursed Editions. Uh, and before they know it, they go down, uh, you know, one aisle too many of these books and find themselves trapped in Horrorland, which is one of my favorite, uh, favorite Goosebumps books, uh, One Day at Horrorland. And uh, there they find a very creepy dummy uh, that will not leave them alone and won't ever dream of letting them escape. So that's uh, that would be my pitch for it. Who's that little creature there on the cover? Oh, so that is Urk. <laughs> so I really wanted them to have a a, a little horror um, uh, named Urk. And that's – she's basically – Urk is uh, a horror from Horrorland, but uh, she is not the biggest of the group. And so she's left out of a lot. She's a bit younger, always pushed to the side. And so she kind of gets uh, wrapped up in the, you know Mia and Jenny's – uh, world and and peril and so she becomes a, a part of the the troop really so um so yeah that would that would be our lovely irk okay chris how <laughs> much of your own personality and style did you put into the character design of these and in portraying them i mean jeremy had some pretty uh specific descriptions of the characters um in terms of like personality and that sort of stuff like uh mia i think he wrote was very sporty she really liked you know soccer she hurt her leg like that sort of stuff and that kind of is the drive for it you just kind of get a couple of personality features and kind of just extrapolate from there and then jenny is uh, a little nerdier a little bit more um uh 
I don't know, thoughtful. Would you say that's mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he was very strict about that asthma inhaler thing. And, oh, yeah. You know, and so it just sort of, you know, it kind of went from there. It was just more of a, um, you know, this is who they are. This is what they're into. This is kind of their personalities just kind of go. And then everything else, I guess, visually was kind of kind of Mia. I based uh, the design of Mia off of uh, my wife a little bit. And then uh, Jenny was just kind of sort of, you know, what I thought a younger, nerdier version of that would be. And um, Irk was just, I don't really know where Irk came from. I I just love it. (laughs) I just kind of had an idea. I was like, you know, I really want this character. I don't want her to walk. I want her to like swing on her forearms. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. what I, that was like the whole design sense. And I was like, oh, I guess I should make her cute too. So I don't know, <laughs> give her a ponytail or something. Chris did an amazing job uh, all with everything, all of the characters and everything that's coming. I'm just jumping up and down in my seat over here every time I get an email. So, you know, it's like Christmas over here. That sounds like <laughs> it's really bad for your chair. Like you might yeah, I love it. Tighten the screws. <laughs> well, you know, if it breaks, we'll see what happens. <laughs> now, how familiar are each of you with the Goosebumps books? Well, I'm – Fairly familiar. I grew up reading the Goosebumps books and and loved uh, you know all of them and kind of devoured them as they came in. Uh, I didn't have all of them. I you know I would say that I had most of the original run, um, but you know uh, you can only save up so much chore money, I guess. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I I really love the books. You know, I was a little bit older. I'm a little older than Jeremy. I'm, uh, mm. I'll be 34 in like a month or so. And so when Goosebumps, the books were coming out, I think I was already in like sixth or seventh grade. And I was a little bit beyond like the, the books. They were just a little bit, they skewed a little young for me, you know. And so I actually was reading the Fear Street books before I read any of the Goosebumps books. Which was like R.L. Stein's other like young adult like teen uh, horror series. Yeah. So I kind of stepped backwards um, into the Goosebumps books, but um, you know I read a I read a couple of them. I remember there was one about some kid who got turned into a bee, and there's a yeah. superhero one that I read, and I don't think I read the Horrorland one though, but I read a couple of the other ones. I think I read the Monster Blood one if I remember correctly, but. Um, you know, it's been so long. I I just it. I don't really remember any of them outside of you know. He keeps dropping little hints, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Oh yeah, that <laughs> dummy was a thing, wasn't it? Huh. Okay. <laughs> but how did you guys snag this assignment? Did they come to you, or did you go to them? Them being IDW. Right. Right. Um, well, well Jeremy was, uh, told him that they he would cast them in a movie. Exactly. And... So I was just like, yeah, Sarah, if you want to be in something, I can totally make that happen. But I They're need doing to write Magic Goosebumps. Mike 3, Sarah. Magic Mike 3. Here we go. By the way, we're not going to tell Sarah that this exists, right? No. Yeah, this is a... – okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, I was actually – I was with um, – or I was at Emerald City Comic Con um, talking to uh, Sarah – uh, Sarah Gatos, our amazing editor at IDW, uh, and um, and yeah, we just started just sort of talked about you know um, fantasy and horror and sort of our love for both, and uh, it it kind of came up after after Emerald City Comic Con of uh, of this year actually. 
Um, and, uh, and yeah, we just started chatting about it via email and, um, Chris was the first, uh, the first art and, uh, and anything that sort of came in for it, our suggestions, anything, it was everyone's favorite. So boom. I mean, I, I think that's kind of just how it, it came about on my end, but yeah, Chris, what, what, uh, what was the process like for you? Um, I was working, I've been working for IDW for about two years now. I was doing their, uh, X-Files origin series. I was drawing the Mulder side. Uh, it's a if you're anybody's unfamiliar with the book, it's a like a teen X Files book or like a kids X Files book, where Mulder and Scully are both 13 years old, and then half of the book is dedicated to like a Mulder story, and the other half is a Scully story, and I was drawing the drawing and coloring the Mulder side of it, and um, basically the assistant editor over there I think took my stuff over to Sarah. And that's how I got the gig. At least I think that's how it happened. I'm, I'm not really too sure of the ins and outs. It was like Sarah emailed me one day and was like, do you want to work on this? And I was like, yeah, I'm broke. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how, how I got this. So you guys have the first arc, which is three issues. Now, this is an all-ages book. You must have other influences of horror, either in movies or books, maybe that go beyond that. What are some of those horror stories that you like? and you draw a lot from well chris take this one first me um yeah you know i was never a big horror kid this is all right so again sarah don't listen to this but like <laughs> i feel like every answer is just like you know i don't really like I, I i don't read horror books i don't really like that no no uh you know i was just never really a big horror kid um i um the stuff i kind of grew up reading were things like Jeff Smith's Bone or like mm -hmm. The Max uh, by Sam Keith. It's just like really weird on the fringes comics. Um, I was never like a big superhero guy or like a zombie guy. I still can't stand zombie movies, um, which will probably get me ostracized from working in comics. <laughs> uh, they're like, you don't watch The Walking Dead? No, not really. Um, oh, you're the one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm the one guy. Yeah, it's like – the entire country shuts down for The Walking Dead, and I'm I'm the one guy who's trying to buy apples at the grocery store. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know if I really have that much in terms of horror uh, influence. It, it kind of scares me, so I'm kind of like, no, mm. I'm good. Um, Jeremy, what do you got? Uh, I'm on the the opposite side. I'm a huge horror fan, um, and so yeah, I I. I I'm obsessed with uh, every John Carpenter movie. I, I love uh, Guillermo del Toro's work, um, and so you know, I I would kind of throw those into into the horror sphere as well. I know a lot of people would would say fantasy more than anything, but they're pretty scary, and there's a lot of horror elements to them. So I would I would use that as influence for sure with pretty much everything I do. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean. Across the board, you know Stephen King, Joe Hill. Um, I really, really dig uh, basically any horror movie I can get my hands on, and a lot of them are, you know, go to to go to the camp uh, sphere really quickly, and and you have to laugh and um, have a bit of comedy to it as well. So uh, I think that you know feeds the creativity a bit too, because especially with the Goosebumps books. Uh, one of the things I always loved about them was the balance of of horror and comedy. Uh, and you know, I remember reading an, an interview with Arl Stein. I think it was recently where he said, 
you know, that was always a huge uh, thing for him, especially when the movie was coming out. His one note was it has to be fairly balanced. You know, it can be it can be scary, but you got to you got to have some jokes in there and you got to have some laughs. Um, so that's a fun element to it as well, because it's kind of pulling from two different worlds. Um, but uh, but yeah, huge, huge horror fan. So uh, I'm all about it. OK, great. And this is the book's coming out. In October, I believe the book is, uh, yeah, October twenty fifth. I believe is the uh, the date that I have. Chris, have you heard uh, heard anything different? <laughs> I have not heard anything different. Okay, to this cool. Point. Yeah, I think it's uh, October twenty fifth, right before Halloween, which is very exciting. I guess I should start drawing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should write an issue. Uh, well, when was uh, Emerald Con? Was that? February, March? Uh, that was in March of this year, I believe. Wow. So from discussion about it to actually starting to work on it and solicit, that's pretty quick. Because a lot of times there's discussions yeah. and it's like a year later before things actually come out. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty quick. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's been coming together. So it's pretty exciting. Are you partway through right now writing everything? Or it's, you know, your, your part's done and now it's the art. It's all on you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so I've... Uh, written the first two scripts, the first two issues, um, and uh, pretty much written the third, just kind of uh, doing some finishing touches uh, on it right now. So, uh, you know, I'm, there's going to be a bit more back and forth, I'm sure, but uh, but yeah, it's it's shaping up pretty much together, um, and uh, yeah, at least on my end, on the on the writing side. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, tentatively through the first issue thumbnails. Um, mm -hmm. It takes a little longer. Well, I, I mean, I don't know how fast Jeremy writes, but it take, usually takes people a little longer to draw it than it takes to, to write things. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sarah, she likes to work in a slightly different way. Um, I was working on the X-Files stuff. I was working with a different editor, Denton, and it was like, you know, I'd do thumbnails for three or four pages and shoot them over, and he'd be like, yeah, that's cool. And then, you know, once I get through those, I'd shoot them three or four more um, because I'm a little bit ADD when it comes to that stuff. I have a hard time kind of paying attention when it comes to thumbnailing just cause I get bored. Uh, but Sarah wants to kind of nail down the storytelling from the word go. So she's having me do the whole issue first and then, you know, she came back with notes. And so we're kind of, I did a quick revision and sent that out to her and now I'm just waiting to hear back to see if she has any other notes. So the issue is planned for lack of a better word but it it just needs to go from you know my two-year-old scribbles to something that's actually publishable because <laughs> usually i hear artists like to do the one page two page they do it all the way through pencil inks what have you but you're actually laying everything out first it's easier to change things at that stage than to go back from the completely finished art and change things i mean every artist has a different a different way they work but most of them that i've run into will at least plan out a couple of pages before they, you know, start in on the finished page, finished pencils, inks, whatever. Um, it, it just really depends on the process. I've also heard of some people doing one page at a time, but you know, there's times there's, it's rare, but there's times where you might read the script and you'd be like, well, it, it'd be better if I took this panel and moved it to the next page, or it'd be better if I cut this panel into two panels, or it'd be fine if I condensed these two panels into one. And, you know, it's hard to have that, that scope on a page by page basis. It's better to like kind of have a broad view and be like, okay, well, 
even though, you know, these things all sort of work together. Page one and page two work together as opposed to, you know, doing page one all the way through and then going to page two and you realize that there's like a door or something that you need to draw and you're like, oh, I didn't plan for that. No, it makes sense. I mean, I, anything I do, whatever it is, is work or whatever, I have an outline first, you know, beginning, middle, end, and then I work on the details in between. Exactly. Yeah. It's like writing a term paper. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, I have a question for you. I saw these incredible model buildings you made oh. for a charity streaming event, and they were really, really – you made those? Uh, yeah. Well, no, so I didn't I could, you know, actually uh, mold them or anything like that. So they uh, are part of kits. Uh, yeah, we just, just finished up the charity stream yesterday um, for Free Arts LA uh, and, and raised a good bit of money for them. So it was really you know, a great time. But what we were doing was – uh, playing board games and playing tabletop games, um, you know, on this live stream for basically all of Saturday and Sunday, uh, and so we were building um, these these buildings and these and these miniatures uh, in order to play with, and I I sort of glued them all together and painted them because um, they just come as sort of gray blocks essentially, um, and then uh, and then yeah, just just painted them. But I've been Doing that, I've been obsessed with miniatures for my whole life. Uh, basically, always you know building up like model trains or whatever it was. But I got really obsessed with the Lord of the Rings miniatures and then Warhammer, and uh, just kept painting and painting and painting. And so most of the stuff I have is is really quite awfully painted. Um, but I think in the past year or so, I've been I've been trying uh, to get you know much better at it. So it's at least decent uh, <laughs> to look at. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. Was that your second year participating in the charity event? Uh, yeah. So that was yeah. The, it's the the second year that the the charity stream's been around, um, and we do it. Um, so uh, one of my friends, Worm, call him Big Worm, uh, and Gerard Way uh, put on a charity stream um, every year uh, for the, well, I guess for the past two years. So it's the second annual charity stream this year. Uh, but yeah, we're we're gonna keep it going for for the foreseeable future. Um, and uh, and yeah, raise raise money for different charities uh, each time. Now, tell me a bit about Free Arts LA. Uh, so, Free Arts LA um, is basically an initiative where uh, they they allow kids to have access to things that they normally wouldn't, especially in certain areas. So, uh, they have a lot of events, a lot of uh, organizations and groups, and you know they bring kids in to do um, all sorts of different things, basically all kinds of crafts and. Um, raising money to get uh, all kinds of books that the the kids can take uh, with them and and stuff like that, but um, mostly you know activity based um, uh, things that uh, these kids can do to you know um, uh, experience art in uh, every way possible that they want uh, you know express their interest in something and then they can go you know actually have the means to do it whatever it may be whether it's you know crafting in some niche uh, area or um, you know, they need, they would love to read this type of book that they maybe don't have access to or, or this kind of, you know, building, or if they're interested in whatever it really is art wise, you know, painting, uh, they're going to get all the supplies they need and all the encouragement and help, uh, and teaching uh, and guidance that they, uh, that they need or looking for. That's a wonderful that you're doing that work for charity. Now that I know that it exists, I didn't know about it before. I apologize. But, uh, now that I know, and the listeners know, I'll look for it next year when the third annual comes around. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Jealous that you got to hang out with Gerard Way and Jody Hauser. Like, yeah, yeah, Jody's wow. there. Jerks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's a it's a good group of people, and yeah, Jody came by uh, yesterday. We were all in uh, 
in the crow makeup. Oh. <laughs> every <laughs> every stage, every milestone we hit, we <laughs> had one more person do crow makeup. <laughs> and all of which done by Lindsay, uh, uh and Lindsay Way. Uh and she's incredible. Um and uh and yeah, she would just kept uh, you know, one after the other until we were all in crow makeup. Well it looks like everyone had a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely it was a good time. <laughs> Chris, let me ask you a bit about your work as an artist. Um, now, are you teaching art as well? Yes and no. I was teaching for the Academy of Art in uh, San Francisco. Like I said before, I got my uh, master's degree from there in illustration in 2012. Yeah, 2012. And then um, about a year or so later, I started teaching there. They have something called um, the Art Experience, which is a super awesome name that I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's great. Uh, basically what it is, is it's high school kids basically taking a college art class, like a t- college ish art class. So they kind of get the idea of what it's like to come in and do art school. And so I was teaching their comic book class, uh, on campus for a few years. And then I moved out here. I live in, uh, Arlington, Virginia, like just outside of DC uh, and so I was teaching online. Um, but recently, like the, the art stuff has been picking up more and more. And so I've been having less and less time to kind of dedicate to it. So the last thing I did is I just finished writing a comic book coloring and lettering class for them. Um, and we're still kind of going through the post-production stuff right on that right now. But yeah, uh, a little bit here and there. Um, I would do uh, some teaching. It's great. Uh, it's fun. I like I like the in-person teaching. The online stuff is a little more difficult, but the in-person stuff is really great. I would think you'd have more success and it'd be more meaningful to the students if it was in person. I mean, just online, I don't, I don't know how, how well that would work. I mean, just in terms of getting feedback and I don't know. The, the school has a uh, system for it, um, like a critiquing system where you can – you know, sort of record videos or like go over people's artwork. But I definitely agree. I think that online teaching, especially for something like art, is a little bit um, it's a little bit too isolated. And, you know, part of being an artist and learning how to be an artist is you kind of have to engorge yourself in it and be surrounded by artistic people. And, you know, as a teacher, you can kind of you can tell somebody more information in a five minute conversation than I can typing to them for, you know, an hour and a half, just simply because the way that words work, you know, it's easier for me to convey information that way. And then on top of it, you know, when you're teaching online, you're going through everybody's assignments, and they're all making the same mistakes, you're basically copying and pasting, Mm. like your ellipses are bad, you know, work on your ellipses, and then you go to the next one, your ellipses are bad, work on your ellipses, and go to the next one, you know, again and again. And it's easier when you have like a group of 20 kids and you just point to one person's thing is like, look, the ellipses here are doing something that's not working. And you can convey that information to everybody without having to repeat it again and again and again. And then just on top of it, like there's a there's a community aspect of it and there's a almost a competitive aspect of it, too, because you see what your friend is doing. and You're like, well, I, I want to do better than that. I want to do, you know, or I want to take things from them and use them in my own art to make my art better not competitive in the sense of like you know i'm gonna outdo you i'm gonna win it's more in the sense of like you know you did something really well 
I want to do something really well too. So I'm going to improve myself based on what you're doing. Right. And I think that's really important. I just really do having that peer to peer sort of contact. Now, Chris, when you have time to teach, I know that's less and less now as you're working on more books, you also have to make time for one of your favorite shows, Star Trek. And yeah. I, you're, you're a fanatic. You really did your research on it. Yeah. Well, you know, I want it to be what fun. Is, what's my favorite cut. food? Do you know yet? Because yeah, I don't. I don't. Let me ask you. Now, Discovery is coming to CBS All Access September 24th. Do you have All Access for CBS? I don't. I don't know Boy. if I want to get it. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you plan to get it? How do you feel about that? I don't know. I, you know... I just heard about the Disney pulling out of the Netflix thing. And every time I hear about that, so Netflix has a really great model, right? And of course, other companies are going to want to copy it because they're making money hand over fist with all this content, you know, everybody else's content. Well, they're producing their own now, but like eventually there's going to be so many of these streaming services that no people just aren't going to be able to afford them all. So what do you do? Mm. You package them together and just have computer cable? Right. Or, or do you, you know, pick and choose? I just think that this kind of diversifying everything is just gonna, it's gonna strain the market too much, and you know, pirating is just gonna go up. Like, I don't know. I think access is more important to than you know having your own service. So I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I might wait to hear how it is first, and then maybe jump on. But because. Especially lately, I you know some of those Star Trek shows not 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 so strong, not so strong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Enterprise had its moments, but um, it you know as a whole, it was um, it was a show. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I hey, Jeremy, I'm sorry if you casted extras for that. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I didn't. The extras were good. Yeah, this was great. I've only followed the original Star Trek, and I'm really late to watching a lot of that stuff and Next Generation. So I haven't really, I wouldn't consider myself a fanatic. I mean, like in the past seven years, I decided to sit down and watch all the movies. Mm, <laughs> nice. all. So, I still can't get through the original series. I've tried, and I still haven't seen the first movie. Okay. Because again, I've tried. It's, it's just it's a little slow. It's a little hard to go backwards, too. Yeah. Like, mm. what. I, again, I was an 80s kid, so I was raised on Next Generation. And then you go back to paper mache sets and, you know, stop <laughs> oh, motion yeah. stuff. And you're just like, Ugh, this is t- this is rough. <laughs> it, it is comparatively. It's, really, yeah. it, it's hard to suspend your disbelief when it's like, yeah, it's an entire planet of 1920s gangsters. And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this one. <laughs> Well, for me, it's the nostalgia and the actors and, and the yeah. kitschiness of it. That's that's why I enjoy watching because I can kind of giggle at things sometimes and laugh at it. Um, but that's just me because my wife won't watch it. She's like, you know, it's on Netflix. You don't have to watch that on MeTV. I'm like, yeah, I know, but still. <laughs> no, she doesn't understand. You have to watch it on MeTV. <laughs> oh, my God. Sometimes I see it on BBC and I'm just like, oh. What am I doing right now? Uh, is it a Wesley episode? Oh, it's not a Wesley episode. Oh, I know what I'm doing for the next hour. <laughs> well, after that Star Trek debut of Discovery in September, then we're going to go into October, which means, of course, Halloween. And oh, yeah. for, for me, that is my favorite holiday. Like, 
it actually more so than Christmas, especially as an adult. Jeremy, you're already decorating your palace. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know. You know, it's true. Yeah. Wow. I'm I doing thought it. I was early. I mean, I usually start like late September. I go with August. Oh, I got it in August. Wait, do you have a palace? Well, my <laughs> palace, listen, my palace. It's all relative. It's not a, a studio apartment, but it's it's a it's my own palace. So what do you decorate with? What do you put up? Uh, oh, I got all kinds of candles. I mean, I do you know, like a lot of pumpkin, uh, not pumpkin spice candles, but candles shaped like pumpkins and skulls and uh, and skeletons and whatnot. Um, but you can really do some good work at Michael's and Target, believe it or not. Amazon's got some good stuff. Uh, but uh, when when there's a sale at at uh, Target or Michaels on Halloween stuff, you're in you're in good hands. And Do you they just have those spirit stores in in oh, LA. Yeah, they have oh, the, the like some pop up. Awesome. Okay, but here's the thing. So I'm just saying those because I think everyone has them. But if you're in LA, Halloween Town is absolutely incredible. It is a store that is open year round, and it is Halloween Town. You just walk in, and you're literally in October. Um, and you can just get what it, any Halloween themed anything that you want. And there's a another separate store called Halloween Town Costumes, if you need any costumes. But decorations galore at uh, at Halloween Town. It's in Burbank. Oh, nice. I dig out the um, old Halloween decorations that were put up when I was a kid. You know those paper ones, the pumpkin. Nice. I I kept those so. I love putting those up. I find old ones online and print them out because they're antiques. They're hard to get a hold of um, yeah. without spending, you know, major money. And uh, I always like the beginning of the month, and I try to make time for this. I have to watch like old horror movies. Like it's like a ritual, Me you know. Too. Me too. Got to go to TCM. Got to dig out the old DVDs. You know, all the old Universal, the Hammer. That's the kind of stuff I like. So you know, you guys have any favorites? I always go to um, a lot of so. Eyes Without a Face is an old one that came on TCM probably, I think it was like, the first time I saw it was probably six or seven years ago, and I watch it every year now. Um, oh, man, there's too many. But all the universal horror movies, uh, you have to knock out first, right? Yeah. So you got to get Frankenstein, Dracula. Oh, yeah. Gotta, I mean, Bride of Frankenstein, Mummy, yeah, Creature, all that, a Wolfman. Um, and then... Um, yeah, you go from there to, to anything else. I'm a big fan of uh, horror from the 70s and 80s as well, so I just dive right back into that. You know, uh, John Carpenter, like Christine is always one I watch, The Fog, um, so a bunch of those. Uh, I don't venture too much into slasher territory, uh, but I do, I still love uh, everything else about the horror genre. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm not into the slasher ones. But to me, that's all part of, getting the atmosphere right for Halloween. And I love watching when the discs come with extras about how the movies were made, the makeup artists, yeah. you know, that, that stuff, just getting behind that and how they were shot and written. That's, that's part of the excitement about it. Oh yeah, for sure. And now it's time for the fun questions. Ooh, <laughs> fun questions. Yeah. These are the ones I ask all my guests. Chris, we'll start with you. What do you like to do for rest and relaxation? What do I like to do for rest and relaxation? Um, you get much of that anymore? Uh, yes and no. Um, I used to like to draw, but, uh, that not so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like to sketch a lot. Uh, I play guitar a little bit, so I like to goof around with that. Um, I do a lot of Brazilian jujitsu, so I do that a couple Whoa. times a week. All right. Um, you know, just that sort of stuff. 
I very rarely like sit down and watch TV anymore, which is weird. Um, it's always I'm always multitasking. Like if I'm watching TV, I'm usually drawing or usually, you know, doing dishes or something like that. But that's that's really what I do. Hang out with my dog. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, those sorts of things. Jeremy? Uh, it's probably painting those miniatures, honestly. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, just uh, put on an audio book or something or, or hang out with a friend and, and just paint miniatures. Uh, normally is, is typically what I do there. Um, I, I love tabletop games as well. So uh, I don't know if it fits under rest or relaxation, but it's uh, I, that's what the painting's for. So there's a lot of that. I love, you know, pulp fantasy, stuff like that, and just the old Warhammer stuff and you know, there's books that would only ever come out in mass market paperbacks, and you just tear through those and um, just You're really sort of stuffy yeah. fantasy. <laughs> well, no one told me that, so I just <laughs> ripped them up. Um, but uh, but yeah, a lot of that stuff. I mean, uh, painting for sure. I would say painting is is definitely. And I'm not like I can try and paint those buildings, but if you stick a canvas in front of me, it's not gonna turn out well. So there's none of that going on. <laughs> okay. I, I can I can you know paint by numbers sort of thing uh, on these buildings, uh, but uh, you know I can I can try to do that at least. No, I understand. I, a roller, a wall, you know, painting that I can do uh, artistically, yeah. not so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no claim to that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty awful. Jeremy, staying with you. Okay, here Hypoth- we go. Hypothetical. You're stuck on a mm-hmm. deserted island. There's no power. No iPhone, no tablet, not a single luxury. You, All have, right. you have one book. What is that book? That book has to be. Can I get? Can I get a compendium? Absolutely. Of Harry Potter's one through seven. Okay. Is that like the most stereotypical answer possible? <laughs> no, I get all kinds. No. I would say Harry Potter. I mean, I read those books every summer. I, obviously, when they came out, like pretty much, you know, midnight book release parties, everything. I was, I am a huge, huge Harry Potter fan. Um, but yeah, I would, I would have to say Harry Potter for sure, because I could just, you know, read one through seven every summer. I stopped about two years ago, but uh, maybe I need to pick that back up. Okay. And, you know, all the spare time that everyone has. <laughs> I know it's hard to go back and read something you've already read once, but I do have people that say, yeah, I read this every year, at least once yeah. a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that with me. I mean, I would say I always have the uh, the choice to make. I would go with my two of my, you know, I guess most influential things on me were Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. But it was the Lord of the Rings movies and the Harry Potter books. And I love the Harry Potter movies and, and the Lord of the Rings books. But uh, I have to probably go in that order. Chris, how about you? How to build a boat. <laughs> with the book? That's the practical yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if you're looking for something more fantastic, uh, I would probably go with, um, you know, that big, like bone Bible bone, uh, by Jeff Smith. I'd probably do that. I really nice. like that series. It's a solid book, man. And it's got all the things that Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings had like 10 years before Harry Potter. It's a good book. Yeah. Those giant, uh, phone book type books. That'd probably be the best place when you have some time on an Island to read it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, more in peace. I'll finally get through it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, you know, depending on how long I'm there, I might actually understand it by the time I leave. Now, Chris, staying with you. Okay. What is your beverage of choice? My beverage of choice? Uh, it depends on the time of the day. In the morning, I really like coffee, iced coffee during the summer. And then at night, 
you know, I like wine. I like wine a lot. Yeah, that's what I got. Okay. Yep. I like my coffee too, my wine. I was so tired yesterday. It was the weekend. I went to my parents' house, and I'm falling asleep. I'm so tired because I was up late watching television. I was watching Ozark. Uh, oh, nice. I've heard good things. It's fantastic. Um, one of my guests mentioned it to me, and then someone at work mentioned it to me. And I was like, okay. And I said to my wife, let's watch it. And we're both like, this is fantastic. It really is good. And then people will say, if you like Breaking Bad, and it's not an exact analog of that at all. But along those same lines, I think you, it's only 10 episodes for the season first season so it's doable all right you know, it's so. netflix right yes it is but i was so tired the next day because i was up late uh so coffee wasn't doing it and i found that mate tea i made a nice mate latte Ooh. and i perked right up felt great not jittery uh francesco francavilla said he uses it to stay oh, wow. awake yeah he said the coffee oh, wasn't nice. doing it anymore so he went with that and it doesn't make you all hyper but it keeps you focused in the weight. I'm really terrified for the day that coffee doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a nightmare for a lot of people. I, I'm already on my fourth cup today, and I'm just like, oh, Ooh. this is, is going to be bad. <laughs> is that a is that a, a standard cup, or is that your cup? Like however um, big that may be. <laughs> What was the uh, fifth? Fifth Amendment. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to take. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Jeremy, how about you, your beverage of choice? My beverage of choice uh, – is thanks to to Jordi Belair and Declan Shalvey, actually. I'm a huge tea drinker, uh, but they turned me on to, when I was visiting one time, uh, Barry's Tea, Barry's Irish Tea, um, Gold Blend. Mm. And so, yeah, I, that's pretty much it. I go with that. A little bit of milk, maybe a little bit of honey if I'm feeling it. Um, but I, yeah, I go through quite a bit of those, especially when writing. That's kind of like the the fuel, I guess. It's my... My version of coffee is just this, uh, yeah, black tea with uh, with a little bit of milk I would go with. That's, yeah, that's got to be it. This is why comic creators will never be the partiers that musicians are. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, yeah, I drink cough syrup and vodka straight. And yeah. we're just like, you know, a nice I, I really like tea. a nice herbal blend of tea. A nice and, herbal blend. You know, honey if, if – and a little bit of – you know, a little honey if it's not too late. Not too late, though. Don't it, want the carbs really before bed. can't be too late. <laughs> this year, are you going to be attending cons, taking this to the, on the road? No, not for the rest of the year. We're moving to Algeria in the next few months, so probably not. Uh, maybe next year, though. Back up. Seriously, you're moving? Yeah, my, my wife works for the State Department, and so the only reason to move from California is if someone else has a job. <laughs> so that's why we moved to D.C. from California. And uh, then they're going to send us for a two-year stint in Algeria, so we're moving oh, out. Wow! Yeah, it's um, going to be an experience, yeah. to say the least. We're trying to learn French; it's not going well. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for you. I took that in high school. Me too. Yeah, four years. <laughs> I took three years, and I promise, I swore on the last day of class I would never take it again. And uh -oh. I was like, this is a complete waste of time. I'm never going to use this. Flash forward to, you know, 20 years later, and I'm, someone was like, well, we're moving to Algeria, and they speak French there. And I was like, Father Hebrew is right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. You know, like 
omelette du fromage is one. That's, uh, that's right. That's yes. the one that, oh you know, saved Dexter. So <laughs> uh, Dexter from Dexter's lab, anybody listening, not from the HBR yeah, show. That's, that's, that's how deep cuts my references go. Oh, yeah. We're not talking about shows from two years ago. We're talking about Dexter's lab up in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremy, are you going to do any shows? Uh well, I th- so I think I'm doing New York, uh, New York Comic Con. Uh, still hammering out some final details there. I might pop by to um, to Stan Lee's here in L.A. Uh, but uh, honestly, for the rest of the year, that's looking like it for me um, uh, on on the circuit there. But um, but what's crazy is so so you're you're close to D.C. and uh, and Christopher, you're from Delaware. Yes. I'm from Maryland. I grew up in Maryland, so I'm right. Uh, I'm sandwiched between the two. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're not that but, far. Uh, yeah. So I, I just in the Annapolis area there. Oh, I love uh, Annapolis. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah, really close. Was... You're like an hour away from. Yeah. So well, I'm in. I live in LA now, but um, yeah, I go back. You know, every year, uh, especially during the holidays, to my parents' place. Yeah, it's in uh, in Bowie, Maryland, actually. So okay. even closer. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome too. I, I um, do not like, do not like. I want to move back to California and this home. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, is man. rain in the summer. I do not appreciate this. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever need uh, a couch to crash on in LA, you got one. All right. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> and you have a palace. So you'll have. Hey, well, it is a palace. I mean, it's a really nice couch. So outside of the conventions, is there any other work you want to talk about, plug, you know, while you're on the show? Like, uh, Chris, are you still working on Agent Bloodworth? I am. Um, I'm working on issue three right now. That was actually what I was doing before we got on the call. Um, yeah, we've done two so far. Um, and three is supposed to be out by the end of the year, but I don't know. Uh, it, I'm working on it. That's all I can really say. Uh, ideally, I will have it done sooner as opposed to later. Um, you have a little more flexibility in the scheduling of that versus say goosebumps. Yes and no. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, he's the, okay. So the writer, Dan Corey, Daniel Corey, he's the guy who's really putting it all together. You know, he's the brainchild behind the, the comic and stuff. I'm just the hired, you know, the hired hand, you know, he has a schedule and he's got Kickstarter people, you know, that he has to deliver to and stuff like that. So, um, there's a little bit more leeway, but you know you still have to hit those deadlines. It's like any other gig; it's just who you're working for, IDW or you know Dan Corey. You have to be a professional. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, how about you? Anything else uh, you're working on? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, um, there's a few things um, I can't really talk about, but there's one uh, called Nightlight. It's a, a Twitch show that I do for. Uh, it's actually related to the charity stream. Uh, it's for that same um, channel. It's called Geek and Destroy. With Geek is with two threes, of course. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, Worm puts it on, my friend Worm, and it's uh, a show where I read spooky stories, uh, you know, at night, varying times, just you know, before bed. And um, you can tune in for you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, and and check it out. But if you want to, yeah, go to Twitch.tv/GeekandDestroy. Uh, geek with two threes. Uh, that's pretty much, yeah, the one thing I got going on, um, other than goosebumps. Um, so yeah, I can, uh, I can probably post some more stuff about that online and I probably should, but, 
we just had that charity stream. So it's kind of uh, related to that. If anybody watched the charity stream uh, on Saturday night, we did a live uh, version of the show and uh, that kind of spawned all of the crow makeup. So you're, uh, I guess you're welcome for that if you liked it. If not, I'm sorry. But yeah, there, uh, there it is. <laughs> What'd you guys think of that crow movie? Sorry, I know it's a tangent, <laughs> but I was just thinking about it and I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. I see. I loved it. I saw it when I was pretty young, and uh, I thought it was great. So I, uh, you know, it holds a special place in my heart. You know, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen it. It's uh, no, all right. Don't be. That's all right. <laughs> it's totally all right. I feel like when I watched it the first time, I really liked it because that was early college or late high school. Mm. And I go back and try and watch it again. And I'm like, this is, mm, oh, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is style over substance. This is a yeah. Zack Snyder film before Zack Snyder. <laughs> the thing is, they made multiple ones and nobody oh. knows it. Yeah, and also, hasn't someone died on like every single time they oh do it? Man, yeah, maybe they should just not make any more crow movies. But um, so Sarah Gatos, our editor for Goosebumps, edited the Crow comics. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because it was a bit. I mean, it wasn't a big comic, but it was an indie comic before it ever got a movie. Mm-hmm. And it was like you know one of those kind of lesser known ones that was. It was big to certain audiences, but it wasn't like. You know, he, it's not like Walking Dead big. It was like yeah. big in, you know, as big as indie comics got in, you know, 19 lickety two. So. <laughs> well, one thing we can probably all agree on, I would hazard to bet, is we're all looking forward to Stranger Things season two. Oh, yes. What's that? I don't know about Stranger that. Things? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to assume anything. Well, it's true. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. I saw this trailer for the second season and I was like, oh, yeah, this looks really good. It looks cool, man. I thought that was an incredible trailer. I mean, if you even if you don't like Stranger Things, and I know there are some good, you know, some people out there that uh, that don't like it, and obviously that's completely fine. I just happen to be a fan. But that Stranger Things two trailer, the second one, I think that they came out with with uh, with Thriller, yes. was an impeccably put together trailer. Very well and that done. music sealed it. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta agree, and it's very rare that you see Vincent Price done right, especially oh, nowadays. Yeah. Like they use that cut out of his voice just perfectly. It's oh, like, it was incredible. Oh God, whoever put this together is a genius. <laughs> yeah, it was great. There's like some movie tra- like the Valerian trailer, the one where they use the Beatles song. Yeah. Like. I don't. I haven't seen the movie, but that trailer is just phenomenal. I could watch that on repeat. Even some of the like Justice League ones, like those trailers are pretty solid. The one with uh, Come Together in it too. Like mm. that's a that's a actually a pre- pretty well put together trailer. Even though the movie itself kind of looks, um, mm. it you know it's going to be a movie. That, it's that's gonna be a film. It's going <laughs> to be a movie. They're gonna put it in theaters. They're gonna put it in theaters, and you know, people will go and watch it. Um, yep. They will buy their tickets. They some some people well, will. Some people. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> I like those Thor trailers. But the trailers are good. The trailers are very good. They're exciting, and they gave me goosebumps. And speaking of goosebumps. It's coming uh, this October. See that? See that? That, that, was, that was masterful. Yeah, We've been doing really this good. podcast for a while, haven't you? <laughs> a little while. Wow. Uh, so it's coming in October. So look for it. Pre-order it. It's still There's still time to order it. Just came out in previews for this month, so get your orders in. Yes, please, please do. Please, please. We, we like food, and yep. part food of us good. getting food is selling our wares. So. And scaring you, but also making you laugh. But mostly food. But mostly food. <laughs> we, we mostly like food. <laughs> 
pleased with the food. Jeremy and Chris, thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Thanks. Thanks so much, Christopher. Thank you for listening to this episode of Creator Talks. The podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. If you like what you hear, please rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't miss a single episode each Thursday. Subscribe. It's free. A new interview will be available each week, and sometimes there'll be a second, maybe even a third interview that week. You can send me feedback and comment on social media. I can be reached at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and Twitter. I'm also available on Instagram, Creator Talks Pod. There I will post pictures while I'm on location, as well as my Saturday Silver Age or Older and Sunday Bronze Age Spotlight comics from my personal collection. Don't forget to visit my website, creatortalks.com. There I have listed the latest episode on the homepage, plus a playlist of all the episodes to date that you can listen to online or download. In addition, on the site, I'll be posting my recommended reading picks, as well as written interviews with creators. Also on my YouTube channel are video interviews with creators on location at comic conventions and elsewhere. I know you have a lot of entertainment to choose from and a lot of podcasts to choose from as well. And I thank you for making the time to listen to this one. Your best source for comic book writers, artists, and creators. There are more interviews in the works and you never know who it might be. It is my distinct honor and privilege to speak to these creators and bring you those interviews each week. I'd like to thank my executive co-producer, who makes this possible, Mrs. Calloway. That's all for now. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.